0: I decided, since maybe I wouldn't have to study, I'd just take Brother Brandon's message and preach it again tonight. I'm being facetious. Actually, Brother Brandon preached a couple weeks ago, and I know that this is what he preached on. The thing that's really uh, the, the and, and the thing that's really ironic is that this message that I'm going to bring you tonight was already in place before Brother Brandon preached that message and I didn't I didn't know exactly when God would have me to preach it I had the I had the uh, the outline ready not put all of the meat on it yet and and then this week this week God really spoke to my heart about a very special message that I want to bring probably Sunday night probably be a little bit more uh, probably be a little bit more a little better for the Sunday night crowd, but a very, very important message. And I and, and I, I thought about preaching that tonight, uh, but then this morning, God woke me up early. Early this morning, and uh, I usually things don't usually bother me. I I sleep very well. I don't have to. I I, use, I don't have to get any help to sleep. I, I usually sleep very well, um, but. I woke up early this morning and I, I couldn't sleep. I just had some things on my mind. And so I went ahead and I got up and I got in the office and and I began to, I began to look over this um, over this outline that God had already given me and it seemed like God began to speak in a great way. And so I want to talk to you about what you see on the screen tonight. What is the snare of the devil? So I, I believe we're in a spirit-filled church tonight. And so I, I've already told Brother Brandon, I, I said, I don't think this is an accident that you preached this message two weeks ago and then two weeks later, I'm bringing something very, very similar. I believe there's somebody here tonight or somebody watching by way of live stream, I believe that God with the precision, with the precision of, a, of a surgeon that uses his scalpel, I think that God... Is, is that precise in a service. And, uh, and really what's great about that is that means that God's working on somebody and, uh, and, and God's trying to keep you from making a dreadful mistake or going down a wrong road. or uh, It could be that two weeks ago when Brother Brandon preached that phenomenal message and I went back and listened to it more today, uh, it could be that God was really, really, and he was. I understand there was a great altar call that Sunday. And, um, and it could be that God really spoke to somebody's heart. And maybe tonight the Lord is just wanting to confirm it in your spirit tonight. And so I would just say this, boy, if the Lord is knocking, open the door tonight. Yes, sir. And so if you found your place in 2 Timothy chapter 2, let's all stand. It's a pretty short outline. I don't think we're going to be very long tonight. Uh, but I want you to really hear every word this evening if you would. Second Timothy chapter number 2, and look, if you will, at verse number 22 tonight. <clears throat> and I understand we're even preaching the same verse. Um, Second Timothy chapter 2, verse number 22. Paul said to this younger man, Timothy, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them, that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I don't want to get bogged down here, but boy, I could. We get to stop there and preach for a little while. And if you've been watching Countdown to Courage, that's been our verse for the last two days, verse 22. And, uh, and Paul encourages Timothy as a younger man to flee youthful lust. Boy, that's good, that's good advice for us tonight, isn't it? Yes, to flee Youthful lust. And by the way, some of those lusts are not so youthful. Some of those lusts uh, don't necessarily go away just because you're not as youthful as you used to be. And so Paul says, Timothy, flee also youthful lust. And then he says, don't only run from one thing, but I want you to run after something else. He said, follow righteousness and faith and charity and peace. And then notice the next two words, with them. And so it's not enough just to flee some things, but I want you to follow some things. And I don't want you just to follow some things, but I want you to follow some things with them. And so how many know we need church? Amen. We need church. Well, do you say, Pastor, you need it more than I do? I doubt it. I doubt it. Truth matter is, we all need it. Yeah. Yeah. Every one of us do. There's not, there's not any exceptions to the rule. Preacher, deacon, teacher, church member, janitor, parking lot attendant, we need church. Yes, please, For all those that are not in church tonight, you need church. Yeah. Amen. And I'm glad you're watching by way of a live stream. That's, that's wonderful, but uh, boy, nothing will take the place of the real thing. Amen. And we need, we need the house of the Lord. We need the house of the Lord the worst we've ever, ne- ever needed. Amen. We need God's house. Right. We've social distanced long enough it's time to come back together. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you don't believe it, listen, we've already had some casualties from, from COVID. Yeah, right. come on. I know, preach, that's terrible they got COVID. They didn't get COVID. They didn't get COVID. Yeah. Right, come yeah. on. Everybody listen tonight. They didn't get COVID. Yeah. Well, COVID, was not their, COVID was not their worry. Yeah. There was something else going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And we've seen casualties already because of this thing. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call the Lord out of a pure heart, but foolish and unlearned questions. Well, we're to avoid those things. Avoid. Knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness notice these two verses in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves those that contradict themselves if god peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth in other words maybe we can get them maybe we can get them back verse 26 And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Who are taken captive by him at his will. You can already tell. I feel very passionate about this message. I want to come to you tonight in meekness. If I felt like you would help to get on my knees tonight and beg, yeah, I'd do it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to live a high life? Man, you just stay plugged in right here. Yes, sir. Yes. It's the highest life you'll ever yes. live. If you think for half a second that <coughs> drugs is where it's at and alcohol is where it's at. No, sir. We were in a restaurant just the other day and some song came over the Speakers and it's some kind of song that says a beer will solve everything or something like that. I thought, what a lie. If it's solving everything, why we got so many problems in, in the world today? I want to try to keep you from the snare tonight. You may be seated. Father, I thank you for your blessings. And we're glad to be here on a Wednesday night. Lord, I pray that you'll help us now as we take just a few moments and teach preach, Lord, a very serious passage here. Paul, that older veteran, Lord, wiser, Lord, had some experience under his belt. That older man was able to see some things that this younger man, Timothy, could not see. And of course, this was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But Paul writes and he warns Timothy, Timothy, be careful. Be careful about the snare of the wicked one. And Lord, there's not a doubt, there is not a doubt that Satan does not want this message preached tonight. And so Lord, I'm right now, I'm, at the best I know how, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over this service, over this people, over this preacher. And Lord, I pray that you'll Help us tonight. Bless those that are watching while we have live stream. And God, I pray tonight that you would give us a great admonition. And I pray that we would take it to heart. I pray that we not just write it off, but I pray we take it to heart. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that it would keep someone from disaster. We thank you for your blessings. Thank you for being so wonderful, such a loving God. You are truly great, the greatest of the great, the highest of the high. Lord of lords, king of kings. And we praise you tonight. We ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. What is the snare of the devil? What exactly is Paul talking about when he mentions the snare of the devil? And I uh, I appreciate the slide and I, I I built that slide and so that's my fault. But I'm gonna and I and I put that trap on there. Actually, that's a bear trap, is what that is. And I put that on there because I knew that would sort of grab your attention. But that's really when the Bible talks about the snare of the devil, that's really not a great idea of what the Word of God is talking about. When the Bible mentions the word snare. In verse number 26, it is the idea of a trap, but it means this, as fastened for a notch. That's what it means. By, uh, as, as fastened by a noose or a notch. Well, I, when I saw that, I thought, well, that's, that's the devil's ultimate goal for you. It's not that you have a good time. <laughs> that's what he says. Live it up, man. Have a good time. You deserve it. And I got news for you. He doesn't care about you having a good time. He doesn't care about you deserving anything. He's not concerned about you having a good life and, and having a lot of fun and, and, uh, and frivolity and all those kind of things. But to be quite honest with you, the perfect will, we talk about the perfect will of God the perfect wheel of Satan for your life is a noose. That's his perfect wheel—a noose. That's what it means. It is the idea of finality. Once your neck is in the noose, you're done. Your goose is cooked. You can stick a fork in you. I mean, it's it's over with. Uh, the lights are uh, the lights out. The party is over. He is looking, he's looking for a checkmate. Any of you folk that ever have ever played chess, and I I enjoy playing chess occasionally, but it takes a little while if you, you really play a good game of chess. And you understand that when someone says checkmate, basically that means this they've won the game. You're still on the board, but you have no moves left. And Satan is looking for a checkmate. Technically, you're still on the board, but unable to move. He desires to knock you out for good. And I wrote this down tonight. The devil is playing for keeps. He's playing for keeps. Now, I should have put this up on the screen for the sake of the young people. You older folks know what I'm talking about, but these younger people don't have a clue what I'm talking about tonight. But that that phrase, playing for keeps, began to be uttered right around 1842. Now, back years and years ago, uh, and even up until you know this century, uh, we didn't have Nintendo. We didn't know what a PlayStation was. Nobody knew what a cell phone was. Uh, that was all George Jetson and stuff. That was coming in the future. We didn't know about any of that kind of thing. We didn't have, you know, Game Boys and Atari and all that, all those kind of things and uh, the virtual games and all these kind of things. And back in that day, back in that day, uh, uh, and you older folk know exactly what I'm talking about, uh, people played marbles. That don't make fun. We were probably better off playing marbles than we are now because now they've lost their marbles. True. But they would play marbles, and here's, here's what they would do. They would co- they would collect some of the, I mean, uh, they called them Aggies, by the way, some of them called Aggies, and they would collect some of the most beautiful marbles, and they would put them in a marble sack, and they'd carry those marbles around, they'd get together with their friends, and they'd play marbles, and here's what they would do. They would get out on the pavement, and they would take a piece of chalk or something, and they would draw a circle, and then they would put all their marbles in the circle, and then they... Uh, boy, and they knew how to do it too. I mean, They would take that marble, their favorite marble, and they would flick that marble and they'd try to knock the other people's marbles out of the circle. Before they started playing the game, they would decide, here it is, if they were gonna play for keeps. And so if the word was, we're playing for keeps, we're not just playing the game, we're playing for keeps, You know what that meant? That meant when somebody took their marble and knocked your marble out, they got to keep it. It went in their sack. It now went in their pocket. It became theirs. It became their possession. You just lost your marble. That marble was now in the other person's possession. Please understand something tonight that Satan is not playing a game. Satan is all about playing for keeps. And when Satan comes to you and I and when Satan tempts us and, and he tries to get us sidetracked and he tries to get us out of the way and tries to get us out of the will of God, please understand something that what Satan is wanting to do, Satan is wanting to is wanting to, to get us. Now, he can't get our soul but if you're saved, but Satan is wanting to get us. He's wanting, wanting to make us unusable. Uh, and so again, understand that Satan is playing for keeps. The Bible says in Proverbs 5, 22, his own iniquity shall take the wicked in himself, and he shall be holding with the cords of his sins. Don't take my word for it. Look it up yourself. Proverbs five twenty two. He shall be holding with the cords of his sins. Look it up in the Hebrew. It means this noose. Noose. Same word as snare in the New Testament. He shall be held in that noose of the devil. Now, what is tonight? What is the snare of the devil, and how does the devil go about it? And I want to just give—I want to give you three thoughts quickly tonight. The first one's the longest. When we get past the first one, we're almost—we're almost home free tonight. Number one is this: the snare involves deception. The devil is a deceiver. Please understand—he's a liar. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse number 44, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, again, church, hang with me. Young people, please uh, hang with me. And I know now uh, I'm the old guy on the older guy on the block, and, and I know uh, uh, some of our young people look at me and they think, well, Preacher's just really out there and really old-fashioned and all that, and I, I, I get that. But, but I'm not so old that I can't try to help you a little bit tonight. And I want to help you by saying this, that you can guarantee this, that anything the devil tells you, it's a lie. If it's coming from the devil, it's a lie. If it's coming out of his mouth, it's a lie. It's a lie. Uh, uh, basically, the Bible tells us here that there's nothing he can say that is, that is the truth. Everything he speaks is a lie. He is a liar and the father of lies. He's the greatest liar that's ever been. He's the one who inspires all the other lies. And so you can guarantee, yes, if the devil comes and the devil speaks something to you, it is a bold-faced lie. Here's the devil comes, The devil says, it won't bother you. It's just weed. We might as well preach it straight tonight. It's just weed. (laughs) It's just weed. Well, number one, why are you putting a weed in your body? But but anyway, if the devil says, it's just weed, it's not going to hurt you. It's a lie. The devil will say something like this. this. The devil will say, just one drink. Just one drink's not going to hurt. I'm not talking about you drinking a six-pack. I'm not talking about you getting drunk. I'm not talking about you getting a DUI. Uh, Just one drink, and one drink won't hurt anything. It'll calm you down. It'll soothe your nerves. It'll make you more relaxed. It'll make you sleep better. Now, again, I want you to understand something, that if the devil is speaking, it's a lie. It's a lie. And so we understand that this snare involves deception. Now look at, look at your scripture tonight. look at your scripture, Second Timothy chapter number two. And look at verse number 26. The Bible says, "And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil." Interesting, interesting phraseology there. And that they may recover themselves, out of the snare of the devil. The phrase recover themselves means this. It means to return to soberness. So it's the idea of someone that has been drugged or someone that's been intoxicated or someone that has been deceived, but now they're returning to their right mind once again. A return to soberness. So, again, that idea of being drugged or intoxicated, which is what the devil wants to do. I understand right now that, that uh, I, you know, I, I just believe this. I believe if you hang around the bar, you're crazy. You're not only, you're not only backslid; you're crazy. And so the new, the new thing right now, they tell us the new thing, or at least somewhat new, around the bar, bar scene is something called date rape. Drugs. They call it a Mickey, or a Mick, or a Roofie. And what it is 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 this: it's that while uh, a bunch of young adults are seated at the bar, when a young lady is not watching carefully, the man, the young man next to her, takes that uh, that drug, uh, rape drug, and he slips it into her drink without her knowing about it. She drinks that drink and that drug being interlaced in that, uh, in that drink begins to make her very, very intoxicated. In fact, more than intoxicated, it almost renders her uh, without ever uh, even able to control herself, and so he says, "Oh, honey, you're you're having a hard time. I better help you. I better take you home." And uh, and so that man uh, takes that young lady home to his home. By the way, she never knows what's going on. She has no idea of what's uh, of, of what's taking place. And he takes her home, uh, takes advantage of her, uh, rapes—might as well call her what what is—rapes her. But this drug takes her out of her mind. It takes her out of her right mind. Did you know the prodigal son was very familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah. Did you know the devil intoxicated this young man with something that looked better? He thought it looked better. Yeah. And we know that we know that he suffered this because our Bible tells us in Luke 15:17 about the prodigal son, and when he came to himself. And when he came to himself, in other words, he was out of his mind. The devil came, and the devil said, "You don't have to live under these rules. You don't have- to live according to these standards. You don't have to do what dear old dad says. You can go do your own thing. You're old enough. You're an adult now. You can go live your life. Get your inheritance. Go squander it. Go have a good time. Go sleep with the prostitutes. Go drink the alcohol. Go take the drugs. It's great. It's the highlight. You're going to enjoy it. Wait a minute now. Understand that that the devil had intoxicated this young man or drugged this young man and he was literally out of his mind. But the Bible says in verse number 7 And when he came to himself, when he came to himself, Satan always makes the grass look greener on the other side. But don't forget oftentimes where the grass is greener, it's over the septic tank. Amen. Hey, I'm telling you, if the devil said it, it's a lie. It's a lie. And the devil loves to deceive and the devil wants to trick you. Now, listen, let me help us tonight. We'll let your preacher help us a little bit tonight. Can I encourage us? Don't sacrifice the 80% of blessing for the 20% of something you don't have. Everybody with me? This is what the devil will do. The devil will come here and say, "Boy, you got a fair, you got a fair marriage, but you know, there's a few things you're lacking. A few things she won't do." few things he won't do. And he'll get you convinced, he'll get you focused on the 20% that you don't have when you've got 80% of a great thing going. Yes, sir, brother. You've got a home, you've got a roof over your head. You got a bed to sleep in. You got covers to pull up. You got a pillow to lay your head on. You got food in the cupboard. You got something in the refrigerator. You've got a wife that at least loves you, or a husband that cares for you and takes care of you. And Satan will come and Satan will say, Well, you're lacking some things. You're lacking some things. And if we're not careful, we'll get so consumed about the 20% of what we don't have that we totally forget about the 80% that we do have. And before we know it, we'll sacrifice. Everything for the twenty percent, and end up with zero. Yeah. Zero, because you felt like your wife was neglecting you in twenty percent of an area, or you felt like your husband was. Well, you know, a preacher, he's not. Uh, you know, he's not Prince Charming. He's not uh, a knight in shining armor. Most men aren't. And uh, and that little bit of uh, something that he neglected, but wait a minute now. But he works a job every day, and he provides for your needs, and he tries to mow the yard, and 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 he, and he occasionally tries to to bring you uh, uh, some uh, flowers. Oh, they may not be the color that you want, but he tries to bring you some flowers. And they may not be your favorite flower, but at least he brought you some posies or some daisies or something like that. And he got you some uh, perfume. And oh, it may not be your favorite perfume, but he got you some perfume, or or at least she cooks. Some meal for you, and she tries to clean the house, and she tries to do some laundry, and she tries to to kiss you on the cheek, cheek, and she tries to to hug you a little bit, and and tries to be affectionate to you. Wait a minute now. But the devil will come, and the devil will say, well, uh, you know what? That 20% you're missing, and before you know it, you'll run after some other skirt, or some other pair of pants, or you'll run after some other temptation in the world, and before you know it, you'll sacrifice the 80% of blessings that you had for the 20% you didn't have and before you know it brother you are broke you don't have a house you don't have a marriage anymore well my parents well my parents what about your parents well my parents aren't perfect never met any I have the most, I have, I believe, I've got some of the most godly parents in the whole world. They may be watching tonight. Perfect, far from it. By the way, if my kids stood up here tonight and testified, I think they'd say, "Well, we love daddy. And he was a good daddy. Perfect, far from it. Far from it. Perfect husband, not on your life. There's no, by the way, there's no perfect people in this church tonight. But the devil will come and the devil will will deceive. Can I show you what I'm talking about? I want you to hold your place. Hold your place in 2 Timothy chapter two. And I want you to turn to the very front of your Bibles. Genesis chapter two. I told you this is the longest point. Genesis chapter number two. Isn't it interesting that Eve gave up everything for the one thing she didn't have. Amen. Look at it in your Bibles, if you will. Genesis chapter 2. We'll turn right back to 2 Timothy after this. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 16. The Bible says in verse 16, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of what's the next two words? Of every tree. Wow. Are you serious? Of every tree. Of every tree of the garden, thou mayest. What's the next two words? Freely. Free as much as you want, as many times a day. Buffet. Listen, the, the listen, guard, the Garden of Eden was a buffet. They could eat as and I, I'm just guessing there must have not been calories. Isn't that a blessing, Brother Rick? Amen. <laughs> And he said, of every tree in the garden, thou mayest freely eat. Verse 17, here it is. But of the, what's the word? Wow. But of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. All right, look at Genesis chapter three, verse number one. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He didn't say that. Know what he said. He said, You can eat every tree freely. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the, what's the word? trees of the garden, but the fruit of the, what's the word? Tree. Tree. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. My wife and I talk about this all the time. Can you imagine what Eden was like? Can y'all imagine what Eden was like? Can you imagine? It was perfect. It was perfect. There were no briars. There were no weeds. The climate was perfect. I believe the climate was perfect. What's a a perfect climate? Like 73, 75, I don't know. But whatever it was, that's where it was. The thermostat was the same all the time. I can can see, and and the Bible tells us that these beautiful rivers rolled into the Garden of Eden, several different rivers. And man, I believe they were crystal clear and I believe they were full of fish. All the animals were tame. I mean, honestly, and here's this man and woman all by themselves, nobody to bother them, complete privacy. They can visit a different waterfall every day, they can pick out a different shade tree every day. Man, I mean, honestly, Eden was perfect. And God Almighty comes and says, Everything you see, it's yours. That's how much I love you. It's it's all yours. Every tree, it's yours. But there's just one tree. And Satan came and said, Boy, isn't that something? God's not fair. God's not fair. And Eve gave up everything for the one thing she didn't have. You know what? you You know what I think I'd do if I were if I were you here tonight? And you say, Pastor, not everything in our relationship is perfect. You know what I do? I just hang in there. Hang in there. Oh, you say, Pastor, I already got somebody? already got somebody in, in view. Well, I, I'm just going to tell you that the next person you go to, they're going to have issues too. <laughs> it's the truth. Their breath is going to smell. Their feet are going to stink. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. There's going to be days when they wake up grouchy. There's going to be days when they don't treat you exactly like you want to be treated. And, and so I'm just saying, hey, if you've got 80% of a good thing going on, man, work on it, work on it, work on it. Hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. Why? Because the snare, the snare involves deception. That was the longest point. Number two, the snare involves danger. Now turn back over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And look at our text again, if you will. This is really interesting. and This is right around where Brother Brandon was preaching. 2 Timothy 2, verse number 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Here it is, here it is. Who are taken captive by him at his will. This is really interesting. Who are taken captive. Church, y'all know what that means? It means... To take alive. To take alive. It means this. It means to make a prisoner of war. Did you know the devil? Hey, young people, you all listening to me? Did you know the devil would rather have you alive than dead? You know why? He knows what he wants to do with you. He knows what he's going to do with you. If you allow him to, to get you in this snare. Interesting story we read in 1 uh, Chronicles chapter 10. You don't have to go there tonight. But King Saul and Jonathan were in, a, in, a, in the heat of the battle. They were battling the Philistines. Jonathan, the son of Saul, is now dead. And Saul is severely wounded. He knows that he's, he's probably not going to make it. He's not going to survive. And so Saul comes to, listen to, listen to this now, uh, young people, listen to me. Uh, Saul <clears throat> comes to his armor bearer, the man that carried his shield, his spear. He came to his armor bearer. He's wounded. He's bleeding out. And he says to his armor bearer, I want you to take my sword and I want you to thrust me through. I want you to finish the job. I want you, I'm, I'm wounded. I'm wounded, but I'm not dead. He said, I want you to kill me. And the Bible says his armor bearer feared to do that. He was afraid to do that. And so the Bible says that Saul took his sword and he fell on his sword. It's wow, Pastor. Why would Saul do something like that? Can I tell you why he'd done that? Because he knew what the Philistines would do to him. He knew if the Philistines caught him alive, they were going to abuse him. They would keep him alive and they were going to abuse him and torture him and make his life. Uh, agony and pain, and so Saul, Saul knew. And so Saul said, I, I, "I'd rather die than, than have uh, than have to go through that." And by the way, they, they, by the way, they did that. Now he, he died, but you know what they done? You know what the enemy done? They took his body and they took the body of Jonathan. They cut their heads off, and then the Bible says they pinned them up on the wall. Here's their decapitated bodies, and they pinned them up on the wall and let their bodies rot. Wow, pretty intense, Pastor. Yeah, you know what that is? It's a picture of what Satan wants to do to you. Yeah. He'd lot like, rather have you alive than dead. You know why? Because he wants to display your defeated life yes, in front of everybody. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. All right. He wants to take you and put you in that trophy case. <laughs> And he wants to show everybody, especially the world. He wants to show all of Union Grove. Well, he thought he was to Hotshot Christian. and he, I guess he wasn't so hot after all. And, and the devil wants to take you and put you in that display case and make you one of his trophies and so he can brag about uh, breaking you down and tearing you down and, and ruining your life. And I'm going to be honest with you, Calvary. If anything in the world ought to motivate us, that right there ought to motivate us to stay close to the Lord. We're not to be a trophy in Satan's case. We're to be a trophy in God's display case. And so we see here the snare involves deception. The snare involves danger. We're done tonight. How about this? The snare involves what I'm going to call detrimental association. What's that mean, pastor? That's a fancy word for saying the wrong crowd. Peer pressure. Now we're done but I want you to take your bibles turn to the book of the book of Psalms tonight Psalm 119 and would you look with me please at verse number 110 Psalm 119 and verse number 110 so important The snare involves detrimental association Psalm 119 verse 110 The Bible says, the wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. The wicked have laid a snare for me. So if if I'm reading my Bible right, then that means that evidently the wrong crowd can be a snare. That Satan can use the wrong crowd, the wrong kind of people to be a snare. Turn over just a few pages to Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs chapter 22. And look at verse number 24. And we're done. Proverbs 22, verse 24. The Bible says, verse 24, make no friendship with an angry man And with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a what? A snare to thy soul. We're done. You can close your Bible. Hey, young people, hear me just a minute. Let me try to teach you something in meekness tonight. Did you know one of, the, one, of the, one of the devil's favorite snares is this one right here? And that's getting you hooked up with the wrong kind of crowd. And I know how it is. In fact, isn't this something? Boy, I just, boy, I just thought about this. I mean, it, the Lord just put it in my mind just right when I was talking to you. There was a man, a family member. There was a man that came to this church several, several, several years ago supposedly made a profession of faith down here in the old, old building. Rough life, rough past. But he made a profession and I said to him, I can, I can remember talking to him, I said, I said, brother, listen, you're going to have to change your friends. You're going to have to change your friends. And I remember him sort of saying to me, I think I can handle it. I, I think I can handle it. I, You know, I, I get you, preacher. I get you, but I think I can handle it. I've got some good friends, you know, and they're good friends. I think I handle it. By the way, he couldn't handle it. And just in case you're wondering, he's not around anymore. When I say around, I'm not talking about around. I'm talking about he's not even with us anymore. Man's dead. He's in the grave. You know why? You can't handle it. And neither can I handle it. If you run with the wrong crowd, it's going to be a snare. You know what, one of the best things you'll ever do is just find the crowd that loves God, loves the Bible, loves Jesus, loves church, loves the choir, loves the youth group, loves the youth pastor, loves good Christian music. Man, just find, amen, amen, amen. You know, the best thing you'll ever do is just find you a crowd that loves the Bible, that loves Jesus, that loves the church, that loves God, that loves good old-fashioned music, that, that loves good fellowship. One of the greatest things you'll ever do is find you a crowd like that and just get hooked up with that crowd and stay with that crowd the rest of your life. He was the Scottish preacher, John John McNeil. And he liked to tell about an eagle that had been captured when it was young. The farmer who snared the bird put a restraint on it so it couldn't fly. And then he turned it loose to roam in the barnyard. It wasn't long till the eagle began to act like the chickens. Scratching, pecking at the ground. This bird that once soared high in the heavens seemed satisfied to live the barnyard life of the lowly hen. One day, the farmer was visited by a shepherd who came down from the mountains where the eagles lived. Seeing the eagle, the shepherd said to the farmer, what a shame to keep that bird hobbled here in your barnyard. Why don't you let him go? And the farmer agreed, so they they cut off the restraint But the eagle continued to wander around, scratching and pecking as before. The shepherd picked it up and set it on a high stone wall for the first time in months. The eagle saw the grand expanse of the blue sky and the glowing sun. Then it spread its wings and with a leap soared off into tremendous spiral flight up and up and up. At last, it was acting like an eagle again. What's your point, preacher? My point is, if you hang around the chickens, you'll start acting like them. <laughs> Sorry. If you hang around the drinkers, you'll drink. If you hang around the dopers, you'll dope. If you hang around the immoral, you'll be immoral. You say, no. (laughs) Not me, preacher. Yeah, you will. You will. If you don't believe it, we could probably bring a few adults up here. They could do some testimonies tonight. Who would probably come up here and say, wow, preacher, you're right. You're right. All listen to me. Don't let the devil get you in your snare, in his snare. Don't let the devil put that noose around your neck. Be sure that you walk close to the Lord. Be sure you stay plugged into the things of the Lord. And whatever you do, don't let Satan, don't let Satan throw you a curveball. Anything he says is a lie, I promise you that. It's a lie. But God's got big plans for you. Let's bow our heads tonight, Father. Thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord. Help us to steer clear of the snare of the devil. Lord, this message was not just for our youth. This message was for me. And this message was for us all. And God, I pray that you'd help us to steer clear of the snare of the devil. Father, I I don't know. Uh, Brother Brandon just preached a message similar to this two weeks ago. Maybe not even two, really not even two weeks, maybe. And then you led pastor to come and, and bring part two. I can't help but believe that there's somebody, Lord, that you're trying to save. Somebody that you're trying to divert from disaster. Lord, it could be there's somebody that has, Listen to the lies of the devil. It could be there's somebody here tonight It's fixing up to give up the 80% for the 20% to end up with 0%. Oh, Lord. Would you please do a work tonight? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's all stand, if you would, all around the house. couple questions this evening number one is this i wonder how many are here tonight would say preacher if i died tonight i know for sure that i would go to heaven if you can honestly say that would you slip your hand up tonight preacher i know i'm praise god wonderful 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 you can lower your hands is there one here tonight anywhere who would say pastor i could not raise my hand if i died i'm not sure about heaven I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere? You'd slip your hand up. Anybody? Just wave it at me so I can so I don't miss you tonight. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. I just wonder how close you are to the snare tonight. You say, Pastor, the noose is not around me. But you've been sort of close. I'm just asking you tonight. Could we, could we do business with the Lord tonight? I wonder, and, and, and folks are already in the altar, but I wonder maybe if some folks just need to come tonight and say, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, would you protect us? Lord, would you put a hedge around us? Father, would you keep our marriage from getting in the noose? Lord, would you keep our family from getting in the noose? might not hurt for some parents. I know you're tired tonight. I know you are. Might not hurt for some parents to get on this altar tonight and say, oh God, keep my kids out of the noose. Lord, keep my kids out of the snare. The devil's close. He's trying to to get them. Lord, divert us. Keep us away from the snare of the wicked one. Lord, have thy way tonight. I pray you're working every heart. I know this is heavy for a Wednesday night. But Lord, I believe this is the direction you led us. And I believe there's a, a reason, a perfect reason. Those that are watching while we have live stream tonight, Lord, it could be someone's watching that doesn't know Jesus as Savior. I pray tonight would be the night they'd give their heart and life to Christ. Father, bless in the invitation. I pray, God, tonight that disaster will be diverted. I pray that you'll, you'll help us tonight. Please, we love you. We praise you. Thanks for being so, so good to us. Thank you for sending us a word tonight. And our heads are about, Our eyes are closed.